the next episode of Nerd Flicks and Chill will start in three, two, one, zero. Hey everybody, this is Nick. And this is Carrie. And we are Nerd Flicks and Chill. And in this podcast, we're going to be talking about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, I think this is a film that uh, didn't really sneak up on... It kind of well, kind of snuck up on everybody. It wasn't something that we were expecting to necessarily review. If you saw trailers, it looked really good. So we're excited to talk about it today. But before we get into that, let's play our uh, ongoing game of Where on Earth is Carrie? Carrie, where are you this week? I I am back in London. All right. It's London has kind of become my home base. Uh, I've, I've been here a few times when we have a break from the tour. If I'm not going back home, they send me to London. I am actually here performing this week. Uh, if you recall, a couple months ago, we actually performed at the O2 in London, but now we are performing at Wembley Arena this week. Wow, that is very exciting. It is exciting. In fact, I just got recognized. <laughs> Um, somebody came up to me during, uh, the intermission or interval, as they call it here, and had recognized me from a behind the scenes, uh, thing that our director did and posted online. And, uh, yeah, so I, I got recognized today. It was, it was interesting. Wow. You're becoming so famous. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> People will be able to refer back to the show and be like, Hey, this is where Carrie got her start, man. Yeah. But not right. even because this was kind of like. No, not even. You got your start before that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, let's talk about the movie. Um, Into the Spider-Verse, I got to say, um, this turned out to maybe be the most pleasant surprise of 2018. And um, I'll just right, right out, if I had to say it, I am in love with this movie. I think this movie is incredible. Yeah, I... This was one that I was not expecting to go and see. I mean, especially with <clears throat> the holiday season and we have so many big movies that have, uh, that are out right now. And this was, it was really under my radar. I, it wasn't even on my radar at all. It, right. it was, it didn't even register to me. And then, um, I have friends of mine that are huge Spider-Man fans. And of course they're like, Oh, it's so good. And it was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. You're a huge Spider-Man fan. That doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> and, uh, but then there were other friends of mine who are more casual, uh, superhero fans and that went and saw it and are like, wow, no, seriously, this is really good. You have to see this. Yeah. And, and, and it just repeatedly more and more. And then you go and see it and you're telling me you need to see this. And, uh, yeah, I, in, in a rare opportunity, I actually am near a movie theater and uh, went and saw it and was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I mean, I got to say, I I would honestly put this among on equal footing with Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War as the best comic book films of 2018. And wow. I might even put it in there in, among the 10 best comic book films ever made. I think this movie is really that good. And what kind of frustrates me is that there are so many people that are not going to see it because it's animated. And that just bothers me so much because if this were a live action film, it would make all the money. But isn't that, that's so ironic because it's based off of a comic book. Right. 
that's hand drawn. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean this this film is impressive just in every aspect, right down to the animation. The story's really strong. The way they tell the story is really good. Uh this is I mean the voice cast is just phenomenal as well. Yeah. But what they really get right what they really get right is just the heart of this movie. This entire film is we've talked so much on our show about the hero's journey. This entire film is kind of about the acceptance of the call. Yeah. The the character who wants to live their normal everyday life, but yet they have to live the life that's waiting for them. They have to accept the call to adventure. And so much of this movie is about that. Yeah, it, it really does follow that classic pattern. And, and one of the things that really, st- or actually two things that really stood out to me with this movie as I was watching it was one, I love the combination of animation styles. Yes. They don't just stick to one thing. There's a lot that's there, but yet at the same time, it doesn't feel messy. They did a really good job in blending a lot of different styles. And another thing that I really definitely appreciate, and this is another thing that I harp on a lot, is that the pacing of this movie is really good. Oh, absolutely. It just, it, it just, it keeps you going from one thing to the next. And, um, I know we're going to get down into the nitty gritty of it, but yeah, there was on, on the surface, uh, it was just, there was a lot of stuff in here that I was really, really impressed with that they did. Yeah. You mentioned the animation style. And I think one of the things that's really, really neat, it might be a little bit jarring for audiences when you first see this movie, because the first few minutes are uh, somewhat blurry, almost. And they're kind of pixelized in a way or like in these kind of little hex, you know, hexagonal shapes. And it's an intentional thing. And it's uh, designed to kind of replicate the way comics used to look when, like, the printing press would be just kind of slightly off kilter and you would have that weird kind of shadowy image looking thing on the paper. It is a, a callback to old school comics that they worked into the animation of the film. Yeah, there's things that they did with this that resembled comics, that resembled uh, video games, that... um and then even with regular animation, they combined a lot of different styles with it. And I like how it, it just, it kind of called back to all of it. And, and one of the things that I really liked is that it broke away from that, like Disney slash Pixar type of animation. And yeah. that's usually what you see on the big screen. And it was so nice to see something different. It was so nice to see them take a risk with something. And I think it really paid off. And just because it was, it was so well done and it it could have so easily been really messy and it could have so easily been like, what are the, just pick a style. Just don't keep jumping around. But the way that they did it, it was done in such, the treatment of it was done so well. Yeah. There is and, a lot of love for the character in this movie. Well, I mean, not even just the character, but just the genre in general, just comics in general. But yes. I, I love the fact that they not only paid homage to the comics themselves, to the like old cartoons, but then even the movies. 
Even the live action movies get oh, yeah. some Absolutely. love here too. It's like they they embraced everything about Spider Man in in and and not just in you know the other you know quote unquote Spider Verses. So it, it's just in every genre that he exists. It's like they paid homage to in this, and it was just it was beautiful to see. Absolutely, yeah. Um, we talked about how great that animation style is. Again, that's one of the big things that really makes this successful. Another thing that makes this successful is if you look at two of the names of the producers, uh, one of the movies that this will remind you of in kind of a, in kind of a, maybe a tonal way, in its sense of fun, its sense of style, is the Lego movie. And yeah. I think that is pretty evident. And the reason for that is that Christopher Miller and Phil Lord are producers on this one too. Phil Lord was a writer on it. Christopher Miller was a writer on it as well, but he's not in the final writing credits. So I don't know if he had the final draft, but those two guys are, are a big part of the creative team bringing this thing to screen. So you'll notice some similarities between the Lego movie in terms of its kind of style and sensibility and with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Well, and that, I think that um, attributes to that pacing as well, because um, the Lego Movie has a really quick pace to it, and it keeps you going from one thing to the next. Especially with like the Lego Batman movie too, it has that same right. you know quick style to it. And like I said, with this, the pacing of it, it just it kept you going from one thing to the next. It, it, I didn't feel that there was anything that was lagging at all in this. Well- it's funny you mentioned Lego Batman because I feel like the Lego Batman of this movie is Spider-Man Noir. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those characters are handled in a very similar way. Uh, and they both kind of are steen sealers. Yeah. I loved it. And it, I, when he first came on, I was like, is that Nicolas Cage? That sounds <laughs> like Nicolas Cage. And it was totally Nicolas Cage. Where I go, the wind follows and the wind smells like rain. <laughs> it's amazing it's amazing it's it's the best thing Nicolas Cage has done in years I, I love that he was so fascinated by a Rubik's Cube because all the colors and everything that were on it yeah and he's like naturally colorblind yeah what, what is that blue is that purple I don't remember what he was saying he was just like trying to guess what the colors were that was so great and, and before we actually talk about the story let's also talk about the cast of this movie a little bit you had Shameik Moore as Miles Morales you had uh, Jake Johnson as Peter B. Parker you had um, Mahershala Ali as oh. Uncle Aaron, Haley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy, Lily Tomlin as Aunt May, Chris Pine. They even got Chris Pine in there as Peter Parker. Yeah. So they finally got all the Chris's now uh, into <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even though this That's doesn't right. really apply, whatever. Catherine Hahn in there as well as Doc Ock. You know, we talked about Nicolas Cage. Lee Schreiber. Yeah. You know, such an amazing voice cast. And if you stayed for the end credits, Oscar oh Isaac God. as well. The the end credits were so great. Oh, yeah. So it's, worth it. It's like a legitimately funny end credit scene. Yeah. And then, of course, you also had um, Stan Lee in there. He's got a brief cameo oh. in the film as well. That is a very sweet cameo. It really is. And I did. It was like my heart broke. When I saw that, and then, you know, the the thing at the end, and, you know, for Stan Lee, and oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and then two names that I forgot to mention, Zoe Kravitz as Mary Jane. Oh, right. And uh, one one of my favorites, perhaps my favorite stand-up comedian working today, 
um, you know, in the kind of mainstream stand-ups, particularly among the men, John Mulaney as Spider-Ham. Yes. I love John Mulaney. I think John Mulaney is hilarious. He's one of the best out there. And uh, it's great to see him uh, voicing this completely ridiculous character who gets some really fun uh, lines and quips in in this movie. <laughs> Do animals speak in this universe? Should I say anything? <laughs> But yeah, I mean, so the cast is great. The creative team behind it is great. The animation is great. But all of that would have been is is it exists secondarily to the story. And the story yeah. of this movie, uh, I think, is really, really wonderful. It centers around Miles Morales and, you know, bringing Miles Morales kind of into this world. It, it It's not without, you know, peril, but like. I was listening to Mark Bernardin talk about how he wrote an article years ago about potentially a black Spider-Man. And from that kind of spun off other conversations. And eventually it did actually happen with Miles Morales being created. But like a guy writes an article about a black Spider-Man and he gets death threats for it. Yeah. Like it's just so ridiculous in this era that that's the kind of thing that happened. John Boyega got death threats for being a black stormtrooper in The Force Awakens. Like, like there is this weird sense among some people that are kind of like, I don't know, horrible racist gatekeepers of some of this stuff. And this movie uh, shows you why that representation is so important. And it's the representation of not just Miles Morales, but Gwen Stacy, um, you know, and there's a pig in there too, uh, <laughs> and, and a guy in black and white who punches Nazis. Um, but that representation is so critical because it, it, it underscores the point of the film that anybody can wear the mask. Yeah. And it's great to see people be able to identify with heroes who look like them. And, you know, I, it's just, it's so critical to understand the value of representation in film. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, I, I don't even know how to build off of what you just said because you are so much more articulate than I am. Uh, it, it was very, it was incredibly inclusive. And, um, I, I think this movie had such a great message and I thought the story was just incredible and I love the way that it unfolded. I love that the twists and turns that were in there and I thought that they were believable and some of them surprised me probably because I don't really know, you know, some of the, the alternate spider verses. So I was surprised by it. I like how they anchored each one of uh, the introductions to each of the different spider verses with, yeah. you know, I was bit by this radioactive spider. You probably know the rest. You know, it's like, but they kind of showed you a little bit for those of us that maybe didn't know what that one was. Um, I love that they did that for each of them and it, it yeah. just, it anchored in each one of them. Well, that, that has such a critical, um, it has, it, it has such a, a kind of a critical storytelling device embedded in it because yes you get that kind of fun let's go over this one more time my name's peter parker blah 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 blah, and they go through right. and they drop the comic on the screen and you see that and yes you're right that gives you a little bit of background but then you get that extra little icing on the cake when it becomes miles moment yeah and it's just this incredible moment of 
of like the joy of him finally kind of accepting that call to adventure and becoming Spider-Man. Yeah, he's I think that, part of it. Yeah, and that that single device that they use for storytelling uh, has that double payoff that I just thought was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, I think that stuff is great. And, you know, um, kind of getting back to the other aspects of the representation stuff that's in there, looking at, at Miles' immediate family, he has, you know, um, some... African American roots. He has some uh, Latino roots as well. Um, his father's last name is Davis, so his father's you know that is not, I guess, his biological father uh, that we see in the movie. So he has this kind of family dynamic that is unique and not kind of part of the traditional nuclear family. And I think that's also important. You also see his mother go in and out of speaking Spanish and they don't subtitle it. They just want it to feel kind of um, natural. They want, they want that um, drifting in and out of language to add texture and richness to his world. And that works so well. I agree. And again, I don't know how to build off of what you just, <laughs> what you just said. I, I, I found this movie so refreshing and it it's it's needed. The stuff that they did in this movie shouldn't have to be groundbreaking. You know, but it, the ground has to break at some point, right? Right. So, I think it's just it it's needed. It's it's refreshing. It's I I hope this isn't a one-off. I want to see more like right. this. I, I it's beautiful. You know, it, it's a real. This is really interesting um, in in my eyes because this movie reminds me of some other movies that have come out recently. There's a lot of parallels that you can draw between this film and the Last Jedi. There's also a lot of parallels that you can do, that you can draw between this film and the movie Creed, which I <laughs> I think is really unique because. In those different films, you have these kind of, uh, these heroes that have, you know, been around these main characters. And now you have these, uh, new upcoming characters. And what you're seeing in Into the Spider-Verse is a very kind of African-American centric, um, uh, life in, in New York, in Brooklyn, right? You're seeing that. You've gotten the Peter Parker perspective, right? You've gotten that whole, perspective but now you're seeing the the miles morales perspective in the same way that in uh creed you had the you've seen the rocky balboa perspective of philly but now you're seeing a different version of of philadelphia in there too and it's showing how the same place the same location can offer different experiences based off of you know who you are or you know where what ethnicity you've grown up in and that adds that sense of like that that additional sense of perspective that that people can be you know of different ethnic backgrounds and have completely different experiences living in the same place and i really like how this film goes about portraying that the same way that creed did but do you know that that the universe that miles morales was in was not our own that was an alternate universe to us as well did you pick up on that? I, I get some of that stuff. I get some of that. Because, I mean, one of the telltale signs, and, and, and they were subtle, but one of the telltale signs was that, you know, his father was, uh, or is a, a, a police officer, but did you notice that his badge, it didn't say NYPD? 
It said PDNY. Yeah, there's a couple of other things in there too. Like I think there's a he has a poster of Chance the Rapper, and in, like he's wearing a shirt with like, the number four on it instead of the number three. Um, yeah, so it's just they were. I mean, it was things that they had talked about where it's just some of the alternate universes is just a little bit different. And so it seems similar, but it's, it's really kind of just off a little bit. So yeah, the universe that he was in was not ours. It wasn't yeah. even another one. My only issue with that, my only, I think issue with that are people who use that as a wedge to say that Peter Parker is still the real Spider-Man when the whole the whole beating heart purpose of the movie is to say the exact opposite of that. So that's like my only little kind of nitpicky kind of thing is it, it kind of leaves an out for those people who don't want to accept that Miles Morales is the Spider-Man of this universe. You know? Well, I mean, the thing of the other telltale sign too, was that the Peter Parker in his universe was blonde, you yeah. know, and that's yeah. not the Peter Parker in our universe that we know of, right? you know? So I like the fact that it was in a different universe than ours, you know? It, and so was ours represented was even, I mean, was that the Peter Parker that, was, you know, the olding and, you know, out of shape. Was, was that from ours? Maybe. I'm not sure. But it was interesting that you brought up a parallel between The Last Jedi and this, because that's what um um Ed, actually, who we had on our show um recently, him and I went and saw it together, and we were talking about this. And he said at first he didn't like that portrayal of Peter Parker that way. And mm. I said, you know, I said it didn't, it didn't bother me. I actually kind of liked it because, and I compared it to like Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. And, you know, there were a lot of people that had problems with, with seeing this older Luke Skywalker that was, was, um, not the fact that he was older, but the fact that he was grappling with, you know, he wasn't the heroic, you know, Luke Skywalker that we last saw in The Last Jedi or in, um, oh God, the, um, <laughs> fuck my brain just like died um in return of the jedi return of the jedi jesus christ um that it wasn't the same luke skywalker that we saw in return of the jedi and i said i didn't have a problem with that i said because who of anybody do you know that stays the same their entire life Right. Everybody's going to ebb and flow. Everybody's going to have their ups and downs. And, you know, granted, yeah, this is a, a, a fictionalized hero character, but to think that somebody is going to be that, you know, ultimate high of a hero all the time to maintain that is just really unrealistic. And I don't have a problem seeing my heroes be brought down and and seem more real. I don't have right. a problem with that. In right. fact, if anything, I like it more because then it's really kind of saying that any one of us could be a hero. You right. know, they're that, they're just like we are. Right, which ironically enough is the whole point 
of the new Star Wars trilogy, and it's the whole point of this movie as well. Exactly. It's the idea that anybody can step up and fight oppression. It's not limited based on your bloodline. It's not limited based off of, you know, who the, who the old guard of heroes are. And sometimes heroes can be fallible. That's not weakness. That's just the human condition. Yeah. So I think that, that there is something very similar that these movies are trying to say, which is interesting the way that, that, you know, these movies are kind of telling similar stories, um, and being somewhat received a little bit differently. Yeah. Uh, you know, but yeah, I agree. I, I like the idea of Peter Parker being kind of fallible and, you know, I think that's, I think that's, that's a human thing. I think it's, it's fine to watch. I mean, cause we had the, we had the two versions of Peter Parker. You had your heroic version and you had the schlubby Peter Parker version. But I think also too, in, <clears throat> In general storytelling, if they start off, you know, this incredible hero, where do they go from that? They have to come down to be built back up again. Right. You know, or else that's a really, that's, that's why they call it an arc because it are, it, you know, it, 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 it rounds itself out. It's not a flat line because that's boring. Um, but then as an aside, as I was watching the beginning of this movie, I was like, Oh man. Twice now this year, we've seen Peter Parker die. Yeah, really. I was like, oh, man, Spider-Man fans can't catch a break. We're watching, we're seeing this again. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's, it's weird when you watch that trailer, too, for the for the movie, and you think you're kind of thrown back by, you know, Peter Parker being killed in the beginning. You're like, wait, I saw all this stuff in the trailer. But uh, he's killed by Kingpin, and I really like Kingpin. I like... Lee Schreiber's, uh, very, very kind of, uh, almost Trumpian per, uh, kind of <laughs> view of Kingpin. Yeah. Uh, but also the idea here that, that Kingpin is willing to destroy the universe just to have his wife and kid back is a actually pretty good arc for a villain. Yeah. That he just doesn't care that, that he is. He's willing to bring it all down just to get them back. And if he doesn't get them back, he'll tear the multiverse apart doing it. Yeah. It's a great arc. I really, I really enjoy that. And that's the second time that they have executed a really good kingpin. That's true. Cause you got the Vincent D'Onofrio Daredevil version as well. Yeah. I like him as kingpin. Yeah. And of course, there's like a million different Easter eggs in this movie. Uh, one of the really cool ones is that. They kind of avoid the uh, with great power comes great responsibility line, except for one time at the beginning of the movie, Yeah, in which case it was actually lifted from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. Oh, that's so the, true. The line does get said. It's actually a lift from the Raimi film. Hmm. And interestingly enough, you know, we, we talk about how one of the formative experiences for Spider-Man Peter Parker um, is Uncle Ben dying, and... It was interesting that in this film, Spider-Man is kind of shaped once again by the death of an uncle. Yeah. You know, his uncle Aaron, who happens to be the Prowler. Yeah, I I liked that. Now, I don't know um, if his uncle being the Prowler is that like known was that a twist that people didn't know about because i was like oh my gosh like i i was kind of excited by that it took me by surprise um 
I thought they kind of teased that idea in. I just thought they kind of teased that idea even in Spider-Man: Homecoming, because Donald Glover has that cameo. Well, you know what? That's true, and I did go back and watch that, and it's interesting because, um, Donald Glover's character he mentioned something about his nephew. Yeah, in there as well. So I don't, I don't know if that's a little. But I don't know the, that we're gonna. I don't get... know the Miles Morales like Spider-Man canon enough to know. No, I don't either. But yeah, like I thought that was really interesting. That yes, he lost an uncle, but also it's in a scene that's like very dark. It's very dark because he reveals himself to his, to his uncle Aaron, who you get the sense may have killed him anyway. Yeah. Like, there's that, he's, he's holding Miles out and like, you know, Miles has the mask off and he's, you know, begging his uncle, but his uncle then puts the mask back on him. And I didn't know if he was putting the mask back on as if to say, you know, don't let anybody see your face. Or is he putting the mask back on him as if to say, you know what? I can't look at you. You're not my nephew. You're Spider-Man. Yeah. I don't know. Because I thought of that, too, when they did that. I was like, I'm not sure where they're going with this. That was really kind of creepy there in that moment. Yeah. So I'm not sure how that's supposed to read. And I kind of like the fact that it's left for us to interpret. You know, I'm, I'm glad they didn't spell it out. Yeah. And for Mahershala Ali, that's his uh, second go around uh, as a Marvel character because he was also Cottonmouth in Luke Cage. Uh, he was. Oh, man. He was my favorite. He was the best part of that show. He was. Totally agree. Yeah. So, yeah, I I really like the way that they have these different story beats that help push Miles to, you know, basically become Spider-Man. But they're not kind of a, a, a retread of everything that happened to Peter Parker. I just think it's really smart storytelling. No, I totally agree. I love the, and again, I just, I love the fact how they combine the comics and even the comics within this, you know, cause, you know, Peter Parker, he's aware of the fact that he's, there's comics written about him. And in here you have Miles that's using the comics kind of as a guide. Yeah. You know, and I, I liked that. And I liked how when he was kind of learning about things and how they made it look like comic panels. You know, as he was yeah. um, kind of discovering his powers as well. And, uh, you know, again, they the nods to the live action movies. And um, I just I, I love how they combine. It was very thoughtful. Yeah. Everything was very thoughtfully done. The character the logic way. is really cool, too. Yeah. Like the, the logic of the characters is really neat. There are two things that, that, that really stood out to me. Aside from like Kingpin having like a very human arc for a villain you know there are a couple things that i thought were really interesting when peter parker tells miles to always wear a mask i thought that was really interesting because it wasn't necessarily to protect his loved ones per se it was more based out of paranoia and i thought that was a very cool twist on that Mm. it was like you know basically the corruption runs so deep that he's got everybody in his pocket and you can't let people know who you are Mm. 
where usually it's been about like protect the identity to protect your loved ones. This is kind of a, a twist on that a little bit. And I thought that was really clever. Yeah, I I think overall with this, they really were able to kind of step back and look at everything with a fresh pair of eyes, which when, when you have a character like Spider-Man that's been around for so long that, you know, there've been multiple movies and multiple people that have played him to be able to take it and to, to give a fresh spin on it is not easy. And it's something right. that it's a huge risk. I mean, especially when you have people that are so devout fans of this and, and to see how well this has been received. And especially, you know, and I know this is a hot button subject, but with fandom and how ravenous some people can be, when there is a fresh take or when they try and do something unique and different and people can lose their minds over it. Oh yeah. To see that they they were able to look at this with a fresh perspective and I think they tackled it in such a way that was so like I said just so incredibly thoughtfully done and masterfully done and and how people are so have so well received this. I mean, it's like, it's, it's like a miracle that this has happened. It's absolutely incredible what they've accomplished because yeah. I mean, it's uh, leading up to this. I mean, you know, we've got fresh takes of, you know, the Ghostbusters. We've got fresh takes of, um, you know, here's a new Star Wars and people, like I said, I've lost their minds. And now it's like, after seeing all of these other things, like, oh, let's do a fresh take on Spider-Man. It's like, really? We've had right. now, we're now on our third person that's played Spider-Man within the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Really? We're going to do another take on this? And no, they did it. They did it. And it's good. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're talking about kind of some of the, the fringe elements of fandom attacking people. You're 100% correct. And we've seen that. We've seen that, you know, you've mentioned it, you know, look at all the actors from Star Wars that have been forced off of social media, Kelly Marie Tran, Daisy Ridley, yeah, forced, you know, you know, there was a, another actress recently, an African American actress who was cast in a DC television show had gotten like death threats about it. Even, um, uh, Ruby Rose had to deal with being harassed online after being cast as Batwoman in the Arrow Flash Supergirl crossover. So there are elements of fandom that, that, that just lash out and attack. And, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's a storytelling component of it too, but there's also the, the, um, the, the diversity component of it as well that I mentioned earlier that really it, it's, it's, this, it's confounding. It's, it's a stifling idea. It's frustrating as hell, but I'm glad that we're seeing these characters and we're having this representation starting to push beyond some of that. I'm sure there are people who are butthurt over this, but the thing is, is I haven't heard any of it. I've heard more positivity around this movie than I have anything. And I think that's awesome. And I, I want yeah. that positivity to drown out the, the people who are the naysayers who um, are so against anything like this. 
And it's like, right. let's hear the positivity. Let's, let's, let's push that forward. Let's push that out there. It's like, God, just let people enjoy things. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, another aspect of this movie that I really love, aside from the, cause I was talking about, um, some of the character logic and how really cool it is. I, my favorite moment in this movie, I have to talk about it cause I just love it so much. It's the scene of Miles kind of his, his moment, his big moment of him becoming Spider-Man where he goes up on top of that building and jumps off and yeah. it's like cross cutting back and forth. Uh, it's, it's an incredible, incredible scene and it may be the best scene in any Spider-Man movie ever made. It just blows me away. It's cross-cutting back and forth between him going to uh, that spider cave kind of thing, uh, the kind of back cave style thing for Spider-Man, where Aunt May is kind of like Alfred in this particular instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's made him a suit, and like as he's jumped off the building, when you see that he's wearing the suit underneath his hoodie, and it's kind of cross-cutting back to some other stuff. There's a few quotes about, there's a couple quotes from like his uncle Aaron about how he's the best. And it's just this moment of Miles like starting to realize the hero in himself. And it's that moment of him accepting the call. And it's, uh, it, it's kind of crescendoed into this amazing shot where there's an inversion where as he's falling, the shock turns upside down. Do you know the shot that I'm talking about? I don't right offhand. So as he jumps off the building, he's falling, he's falling, he's falling. We're getting the flashbacks. And then the the shot of New York City is upside down. So what I love about this shot, it's more than just that it looks cool. It does. It looks awesome. But it actually is there for a purpose. If you have a shot of somebody falling and you turn it upside down, what are they doing? They're flying. Exactly. So at this moment, he is now soaring as a character. And they use that as a visual representation that he's not... While he's kind of falling, he's actually flying. He's actually soaring, and he is, you know, stepping into that new world as a hero. It's one of my favorite bits of visual storytelling in any Spider-Man movie, and I just love it so fucking much. <laughs> now, they've done some camera shots kind of like that before in um, in the Avengers. Yeah. Where they the the camera starts to turn and it's like things are turning upside down and and then then it's upside down and it goes back. We've talked about that before with the Avengers. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. You always have to pay attention to the visual. I think I think the visuals um oftentimes do such an incredible job of of storytelling. Um but a lot of times audiences we we tend to kind of just be caught up in the words and the dialogue. But there's so much great visual storytelling that happens. And even in this, an animated movie, there's great visual storytelling. And you know that what? moment stands out to me. I'm going to go out on a limb here. And this is something I really, really want to see. I would love to see this get nominated for an Oscar for Best Animated Feature. I think it will. I I will be upset if it doesn't. I think it will, and it has a really great chance to win. The Incredibles 2 is very, very good. Um, I, ooh, I think it's close. I think I might like this one a little bit more. Well, I, I like this one more for so many reasons. I mean, because it is so groundbreaking, because it, it blends so many different styles of animation, of, of character animation as well. 
And I mean, it's just beautifully done. And the, the pacing and the plot and everything just works so well with this. And I don't want to say that I don't like The Incredibles because I enjoyed it, but it's, it's predictable. I've seen it before. Huh. You know, it's, it's, it, it didn't, it didn't give me anything new. You know, I I think honestly, the standout from the Incredibles movie for me was the soundtrack, was the music, was the score for it. That I think was Michael Giacchino that did it. Um, But no, it's like I've seen there, been there, done that. This was something fresh and new and uh, and it was really well executed. And I think I would love to see it get recognized for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, this is. It's an injury. It's it's a unique take on the Spider-Man story in a way, but I think most of that comes in the way they've grounded these characters in a different kind of logic. There's a lot of humanity to all of them, and it's not necessarily just the big epic hero stuff, but it's also the little moments as well. There's a a really great streak of humanity that kind of runs through every one of these characters and it really shows and you know we get to like talking about those visual moments as well there's another one where like at the very beginning of the movie peter parker pulls off this incredible jump you know while he's trying to to destroy the collider and miles morales pulls off the same jump later in the movie yeah like all those little callbacks and references just it it adds to the the layering and the textures of the of the film as a whole and, uh, man, it just really, really is a great experience. You also talked about the animation style. Spider-Ham had to be drawn into every scene. Yeah. Because Spider-Ham is kind of classic 2D animation. Yeah. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. Um, the other thing that I really liked as well is that when each of the different um, Spider-People encountered one another it was it was that little like buzz you could you could visually see their little spidey sense go off and it was the recognition of you're like me and i i just i liked that little grounding with each one of them as well it's like oh you're like me and i i see that in you yeah i love that too it's incredible. Like, yeah. I mean, that's that's the great thing is the rewatchability of this movie is really, really high, too. Yeah. Uh, you can see it more than once and just keep picking up stuff. Like even even having this conversation about the movie, I'm, I'm going back and I'm like realizing certain things that, that I didn't pick up on before. But, you know, it, it's just a film that's got so much style and heart and it's also fun, and they're genuine laugh out loud moments in here. It's yeah. got a killer soundtrack. It's it's steeped in a cultural experience. It it it, it resonates with an audience that of a new generation. It's very exciting, and uh, I definitely hope they make more of these. Yeah, I do too. I hope this is, I hope this is a trend, and I don't say that often, but I hope that this is a trend. Well, what I really want to see, though, is I think it's made like $130 million globally so far. That number is is too low. This movie needs to make a lot more money. Yeah. Uh, this movie is a really, really strong film, and it should be rewarded. And um, I kind of feel like people have a, a natural bias against animation, unless it's like Pixar. There's that kind of 
weird stigma about animation being only uh, a format for children. But yeah. that this is not the case. It's not the case. Yeah. This is a great movie that people need to see in theaters. It's a really, really fun experience. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think I think this is going to end up being a sleeper hit I, because as more and more people are going to see it it's that it's that word of mouth you know that's that's what led me to go and see it yeah. um and uh yeah i think i i think that the numbers of this one are going to change mm. well this is a movie I that's hope. so strong that that oscar isaac has a cameo in it at the end credits that's how strong this movie is i love it that yeah. scene was so funny it was, yeah, uh, Spider-Man 2099, a really, really funny bit. If you do go see the movie and you make sure you stay through the end credits, it is pretty funny. It is worth it. Uh, they really did touch on every aspect of Spider-Man that I could think of. Yeah. And I also did love John Mulaney's last line in the film before he goes back to his universe. And he just says, that's all, folks. Yes. And I think it's Peter Parker who's like, Dude, can we legally say that? Yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> oh, so great. He has a giant mallet. God, I love, I love Peter Parker. <laughs> so funny. But yeah, I think this is, uh, this is an excellent film. I think that it ranks high to me. I loved Spider-Man Homecoming, but I think there's a good argument to be made that this might be the best Spider-Man film ever made. You know, I, I that's what I said about Lego Batman. I thought Lego Batman, and I still stand by it, is the best <laughs> Batman movie ever. Yeah, so funny. And there's there's so many similarities between those the characters from some of those movies. But uh, yeah, and it's also great to see Lord and Miller kind of bounce back after being, you know, uh, ousted from directing Solo. And then they have yeah. this success kind of on the heels of that. So good for them, too. Yeah, it was good stuff. This was this was uh, this was a nice rebound. I agree. All right, so you guys have heard our thoughts on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, but we'd like to hear yours as well, so hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at NerdflixChill. You can also uh, check us out on iTunes and Stitcher, and if you are listening on one of those platforms, throw us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. You can also check out all of our new episodes at lrmonline.com. I want to thank everybody for joining us. We appreciate you listening, and we hope you do check out Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Until next time, may the force be with you because the night is dark and full of terrors. <laughs>